Welcome to Income for Baby Boomers. If you want to learn about exciting new businesses each week from other boomers who speak your language and have started a unique and profitable business from home, you have come to the right place. For those who would like to try some of these low investment opportunities, stay tuned. We'll help you get started in your own profitable adventure. Now with your host and entrepreneur, Ken Queen. I'd like to introduce Warren Bobro. He's written a couple of books, amazing life that he's had coming out of the corporate world into his own business. Uh, welcome, Warren. How are you doing? Doing really fantastic. Nice, lovely, lovely day here in New Jersey. We're expecting a little snowstorm for the first day of spring tomorrow. Very exciting. Wow. <laughs> I forgot what it was like up north here being in Florida for the last 25 years. Well, it would be a bad thing if it snowed down there. <laughs> so, Warren, let's just get right into your life. I mean, I was listening to some other interviews you've done, but, you know, I'd like to ask you, where did the whole entrepreneur bug, what age or when did it all start for you? You know, it really started when I was in college and I was never satisfied with doing what I had trained initially to do. And that was to work in the motion picture and television industries. And I did work in it for a short period of time. But I found that it was just not fulfilling for me. And unfortunately, there were I had family in the industry, in the television and in the motion picture industry, and there were very strict rules against nepotism at that time. So I found it very difficult to get work. So oh, I was, I uh, I was I, the only place that, that was really hiring me were like super stations, and I would work the overnight shift. And you know, I was in the union but, and making a good, good salary. But the problem was I was a, you know, 21 years old and working overnight. It, it just was no place for me to be. But uh, I was fortunate in growing up in, you know, on and off in Europe, and I paid very close attention to who was cooking my meals and preparing the meals, and I noticed mm -hmm. that uh, it was children, essentially. It was like the, the children of the chef would, was doing all the grunt labor, and I knew that if I had that one of my dreams had always been to become a cook, to become, you know, to become a, a famous chef, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I, I took a job as a, uh, literally took a job as a pot scrubber, as a dishwasher, and I got into becoming a chef that way. You know, I started at the bottom and I worked my way up. I was living up in Maine, working in a, uh, in a restaurant, doing their pots and pans. The chef, I remember one day, he said, you seem like a smart guy. You know, what are you doing working in a restaurant? And I said, well, I didn't want to work in television in New York City. And I wanted a little more of a peaceful way of life. And I found myself in your restaurant, you know, washing dishes. People leave you alone. They don't ask too many questions. So he said, well, I want to give you a try on the line and see, see if you, you know, you're comfortable doing that kind of work. And I, and I mm -hmm. was and I did. And it led to living in Charleston, South Carolina and opening up my own fresh pasta business and losing it in Hurricane Hugo. And just I, I was always a very creative person. I always wanted to become something that was not like everyone else. So... Fast, Who put know, that in your spirit? Uh, Who you know, in your family? My, my you family, absolutely, because they were all on entrepreneurs. They, you know, my grandfather was in the pharmaceutical business. He manufactured products like Aquavelva and Seratan and Geritol and Somonex, you know, big name products. And it was mm -hmm. his own company that he built himself. So I definitely had the entrepreneurial spark within me. What about your dad? Uh, my father a, is a tax lawyer. You know, I don't really see him as being an entrepreneur. <laughs> All right. No. 
He goes in and they have uh, 12 hours of work for him. Yeah, well, it's his own firm, so I guess it's entrepreneurial in nature. But but then again, you know, I I just don't see him as building something out of the norm, out of, you know, as as I've said in many of my interviews, I'm the first person in my family to actually do something outside of the corporate world, and they have ignored me for that. So I'm persona non gratis, and I haven't seen them okay. in, you know, my, my mom I haven't seen in 10 years, and my dad very infrequently. So what, what happens is you become self-determinant and make your own living and make your own self, and I don't take anything from anyone else, and I've done it all my own. So it's, it gives me a great sense of, sense of, of togetherness to know that, you know, I'm responsible for my future. Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah, but when you work in the corporate world, you're not. You're not. They take care, yes, they take care of you true. as long as you they do babysit. a good job. It's, you know, they, yeah. they feed you, they clothe you, they insure you, they give you vacation, they give you all the things that make it make your life easy. And I was tired of having it be so easy. Is there any books at that time, at the beginning of your entrepreneurial roots that you, you read that helped you? No, not at all. In fact, I didn't even think that I was being an entrepreneur. I was just following my dreams. And unfortunately, my dreams led me into bankruptcy, and I've just recently come out of it. But that's one of the things that uh, that happens when you have self-determination. You have to be willing to leave all the material possessions behind to be able to go forward and be effective within your own life. Super. They're expensive lessons, but we definitely learn something from them. I believe that. I absolutely believe that. And I think that I write like no other, and I, you know, I've done things like no other, and I want to share those experiences. And, you know, I'm not pompous. When I worked as a bar back, I cleaned out the trash bags and the and the garbage pails like the rest of them. So, you know, you have to be able to do the work to be successful. And being an entrepreneur doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to sleep late in the morning. It, it certainly doesn't. You know, as I lost my corporate job in 2009. So I found myself, I have not had a vacation since then, but why would I need one? Because every day is a vacation. (laughs) Nice. You're living your dream. I'm living my dream and I'm doing what I love and I'm doing what I'm good at. And when there's passion involved in, in, in your job, everything is possible and anything is possible. And, you know, my success has taken a little bit of time it's taken about six years to take place, but uh, it's and it's slow in coming. And I'm I'm the first person to say that I have everything to learn about the business that I'm in, but I also have a great deal to share. That's that's great. Well, what do you recommend for those first steps for someone that's going to step out into the business world, starting their own thing? Well, dream. Any, any advice? Dream. There? Dream. That's my first. That's my my greatest success uh, success story is to tell people how I, how I thought about it in the first time, and it came to me in a dream. I allow myself to dream at night, and that's where the greatest insight comes from. It comes from your dreams. Certainly, you can read books. Everyone writes self-help books. There's a, they mm-hmm. have a dime a dozen. But until you, until you realize inside your own heart that you have what it takes to become a success, no, no success will ever come of it. But you have to dream of success, and you have to actualize success and become that success. And it won't always be successful, but you have to be willing to fail and to become the person that you want to be. Mm-hmm. So where does a person start? Where, how does he get those dreams activated in his, in his nightlife? Well, uh, you, uh, you, do what you, you do what you love, be it a hobby. 
you might have a hobby that that you want to turn into a full-time job or you might have something that you're doing on a part-time basis that you feel that uh that, that has a you know resonates with you that becomes something that's valid becomes something that you can earn a living i think what happens a lot of times is people have house and home and kids and cars and stuff and they get wrapped up in how am i going to pay for all of this well, you just you pay for it by sometimes by jettisoning jettisoning the things that are a drag upon your future. And you know, I I I sold my house to move on to go forward. And many people don't have that ability of doing those things, so they have to figure out how else they can do it. Maybe it's taking a job in another in another field and starting over again, and, and finding a position in a field that that resonates with you as opposed to just the day in day out. Which can really be a drag. I mean, I was an executive assistant for 20 years. My life sucked. I couldn't say enough bad things about it. But the fact of the matter was that mm-hmm. on the nights and weekends, I was working in gourmet shops and working as a chef and helping people with their wine cellars and doing tasting seminars and you know bars and restaurants and people's homes and really just and all my bosses, you know, like them, love them, hate them, whatever. He always said the same thing to me. Warren, you're in the wrong place. Warren, you're in the wrong job. Why don't you do what you love? Why don't you follow your dreams? But I couldn't because I was just earning far too much money to leave. And, you know, I was married and I didn't have any ambition. I didn't know where I wanted to be. And I just had no idea. I just came right into work and, and left at the end of the day. And it just didn't push me forward. The only thing that really pushed me forward was being fired. It was being offshored. Otherwise, I would have never you you wouldn't have done it. No. You're cut, you're cutting in and out a little bit. Just okay. I'm know. sorry. It's uh, I'm standing in one place. So. Oh, all right. Uh, so you uh, the golden gloves or the golden cuffs kept you <laughs> they, locked in. They really did. I mean, I I was supported senior leader. I I could see that they would be that each of the people that I supported had been lost without me. It became very personal for me. To make sure they were care of whether I did the job when I was another story, but I had a real interest in people that I worked for, and I hope they felt the same way about me. That's why they would always say, "What are you doing in, in working in banking?" <laughs> because I really didn't belong in banking, and I should so have made this decision at, a long time ago. But I they looked at your face and they knew you weren't happy. They looked at my at my body language. They would shake hands with me, and my hand would be soaked with sweat because I was so fearful. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, fear is a very positive determinant, and it, it pushes you forward or it keeps you back. And uh, for me, it pushed me forward. Oh, great. Okay, so yes, I, I agree that every uh, feeling has a has a good side and a bad side. Oh, of course, absolutely, and I, you know, it can be used for good or bad. And it can be used for good or bad, absolutely. And and what I what I look in in my own personal experience is I met people like Jeff Pulver from the uh, 140 conference, uh, you know, and you know he's one of the early proponents of Twitter, and mm-hmm. he just set it out to me in in words that made sense. And he said, if you don't do what you love, if you don't, if you're not passionate about who you are, if you're not satisfied with what you're doing in life, the only person that can change that is yourself. And, and, and you know, he was working in, in, in high finance and, and, you know, to change his life certainly changed everything for him. And I, I look to that as, as inspirational, definitely as inspirational. He was able to break loose. 
uh, to give up what was working mm-hmm. to try something that might not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that he's a great success story, in, especially in our social media circles. Uh, and, I, and I embrace social media. I would have never gotten to where I am today without social media. Well, let's start with that then. Uh, so someone has decided they love worms. They want to sell worms to the fishermen mm-hmm. or to mm-hmm. stores or whatever. Where where does he start? Well, where they, does he go? They develop a framework. They figure out, you know, like like you would start any business, you would start a business with a business plan and develop your business plan. And, and I think for any viable business plan, you have to have a social media strategy. And most of social media is, is free and unless you have someone else running it for you. And I think that's a cop-out mm-hmm. personally. I do all. I run all my own social media through my smartphone, so I have it next to me at all times. That's um, I'm I'm very proactive as opposed to reactive in that. So I would say get a Twitter account, get a LinkedIn account, and get a Facebook account, and uh, and and develop a cohesive balance between all those different parts, and pay attention to them and engage people. And when someone follows you on Twitter. Send them a note back. Don't send them one of those auto-follow, you know, answers. Mm-hmm. Please connect with me here. Hi, how are you? Please connect with me here on, you know, on Facebook also. I think that's just it's a crock, and I, 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 I shy away from it. In fact, I call people out on it. I said, you're not using social media. What you're doing is you're sending me an, a, a robot message. A robot. You know, and I don't want to – I don't interact with robots, and I have, you know, 85 or 8,600 people that I engage with on Twitter, and it's – and I do – stress this, that it's engaging. And, and I, I, I send people a thank you note when they follow along mm-hmm. and, they, and they're interested in something I do or on LinkedIn when someone connects with me. I always send them a thank you note. How may I help you? Is there something that interests you about me? Is there anything I can do to help your life become better? And I say it all the time. And, and you know, sometimes people get back to me. Sometimes they don't. I, I don't drop them, but I but I want them to know that I'm a real person, that I'm not a bot, and I do like becoming engaged in the people that I interact with. Okay, so let's go to that fellow who's, who's going to start the worm business mm-hmm. here. Um, so he goes on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you, well, which one of those three would you do first, or you do all three at once? Okay, I, I, I always engage with Twitter because Twitter always balances the playing field. So okay. Twitter is, is less personal than Facebook and not quite as professional as LinkedIn. LinkedIn is, is purely business, and I'm, okay. and I'm careful about that. Even though I have a lot of things that I, that I say on, on LinkedIn, it's, it's business first. Uh, Twitter, as I said, it levels the playing field, so it doesn't matter with the, if the person you're tweeting is the president of the company or the executive assistant at the, to, the, to the janitor in charge of worms. I mean, okay. it just doesn't matter. You'd never know. If you can express yourself in 140 characters or fewer, you've got Twitter. And I love Twitter. And Twitter is how I've gotten, you know, gone forward. So that worm guy, he should get his, uh, his Twitter account in place and, and mm-hmm. put up, you know, a rich uh, you know, rich textures of, of information. You can put up pictures. You can put up videos. If someone likes your video, send a note back. Say, thank you for liking my work. What do you do? You know, open-ended questions rather than closed-ended questions really work for me. And I remember that from banking that, you know, when people 
want information, they might be shy to give it. So I always use open-ended questions rather than closed-ended questions. Anyway, so I would Excellent. say you should follow Excellent. a follow with a Facebook page because Facebook has a picture, a picture. Show your face. Smile when you speak. Smile when you when you type. Smile. It shines through. Facebook, you know, give, puts a face to the pictures, you know, to the to the words, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I use uh, Instagram quite a bit because I take pictures of the things that I'm eating and drinking and I want to share that with my readers. Uh, I use Pinterest to a certain degree, which is another social media platform. It's a little less interactive, but if you have a worm business, it would make sense. You could show pictures of those suckers, <laughs> you know, you know, you, right. and, and then get, here's a baby. Here's a big one, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and, and get, and get, get that, that image out there for people to see what's, what's going on. Um, uh, you know, as I said, you have a LinkedIn page for your company and for yourself. So if someone has an opportunity for you, they might feel that Twitter is impersonal and Facebook is just, you know, too high school like they want to get drilled down and make something that's that's really valid. Now, what about uh, setting up a website? Do you, su- do you suggest that at the very beginning? Yeah, or that's not you know, I, I, I got a GoDaddy account, which is very inexpensive, and I built a free website on WordPress myself, and it's not the most – doesn't have the most bells and whistles, and it's not flashy, and there's no JavaScript on there. But it gets my point across, and, and as long as I update it, which is, which is the biggest problem because I'm mm-hmm. always creating new content – And I really have to concentrate on going in and updating my website as opposed to everyone else's website. So, you know, it it, it takes uh, diligence and it also takes uh, concentration to to do that. And you have to be organized and you can't just go through life being disorganized because if you're an entrepreneur, you're held to a higher standard, I believe, than just someone who works for the man. Yes. Okay. Well, if you don't produce, you don't eat. Well, so that's true. I mean, I was fortunate. My <laughs> wife was very supportive of me and helped me like a doctor becomes, you know, goes through medical school and has a strong wife to handle the, the yes. day-to-day. So I was lucky for that. But, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, it was me that was doing the writing, and it wasn't her, and it wasn't my parents, and it wasn't my friends. It was me. So you're, you're self-made. That's good. Mm-hmm. So you don't need family, though it would be nice to have had their support, but you can do it without them. You know, it would have been nice to have their financial support because they help everyone else, but they didn't help me. But I, at the end of the day, I, I really say that I, I didn't get to where I am and doing what I did because someone helped me financially. They didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> End of story. You know, I may have had a, an interesting, wealthy background, but you know, that ended. So I, I had to figure you. it out myself. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as people coming to your website that you developed, do you try to capture everyone's emails? Is that no? Part of I, do? I don't. I haven't really even thought about that. You know, and people say, "Oh, add me to your mailing list." So I'm like, "What mailing list?" <laughs> And, you know, I have a a major publisher or it's, you know, a minor publisher, but but they play like a major publisher and they they love, you know, they love promoting my work. And it seems like each book we're starting from square one again. But, uh, you know, not everyone is is running their business like a like a Madison Avenue advertising agency either. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. we, we get there organically. And I think a lot of being an entrepreneur is being is growing organically, and you grow according to a certain rule that you set up, not that someone else sets up for you. Um, 
You know how Facebook is starting to restrict now? You might have 2,000 people that follow you, but they'll only send your message to 100 of them mm-hmm. unless you pay for the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know about that. Doesn't Has Twitter, Twitter gone no, that direction? No, Twitter, Twitter's still pretty wide open. And, and, you know, I don't really concern myself with Facebook. I, I love the friends that I've made on it. They become mm-hmm. even more profound as than many of the friends that I have in, quote, unquote, you know, IRL in real life. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I look at it. If I'm not getting my, my, my message across, then it would hit me in the pocket. And I'm certainly doing better today than I was doing any time else in my life. So I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied with that. So it's a matter of time to, to get things rolling. Uh, let's say someone is just totally gung-ho on their idea of worms or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And they're going to, you know, uh, devote uh, 20 or 30 hours a week to doing it. Uh, wh- how quick do you think it is reasonable to start uh, having a, a, some kind of income source from what they're doing? It could, be, it could be one day or it could be, in my case, six years. You can't make that okay. determination what it'll be. I mean, it, what, it, what it has to be is that that person holds it within their heart that that, what, that that worm business is the most important thing that's going on in their life, that if it fails, it's their fault. If it succeeds, it's, it's their fault. If they don't pay their taxes, it's their fault. You know, and, and mm-hmm. they, they have to mm-hmm. – you, you almost have to look at the very root level of, uh, of life uh, and of life itself is that if you want to be successful at anything in life, you have to make the effort. And if you don't make the effort or you're not able to make the effort, do something else. Don't complain. No one's interested. You know, they only want to hear the success <laughs> yes, stories. True. They don't want to hear the – well, they, yeah, they want to hear the failures. You know, I watch American Greed on, uh, on, you know, on cable, and I see – you know, we're always fascinated with people who go down the wrong path. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I think it really, for in, in my case, I, I wanted to be a good example. And if I couldn't be a good example, I would at least be a horrible warning. All right. You know, because I work in the liquor industry and I I really don't drink and, you know, I I don't like getting buzzed. And I don't, I I think it's very necessary, you know, when you do professional tasting events that you don't get drunk. And, you know, it Mm -hmm. only takes one one bad event to have that happen and and you're finished in the business and you never get the invites. And I'm lucky. You know, I I go, I sip, I spit, and I go on to the next. And it's Mm -hmm. uh, so. It's, I think that, that you have to be a professional. I think, you, as I said, you have to speak, learn how to speak with a smile. When you, look at some, when you talk to someone, you look them in the eye, you give them a firm handshake, none of those wimpy handshakes that I get mm-hmm. all the time. You know, be, you know, women, in fact, have the great handshakes of the world. And I always, I always say when I'm shaking a woman's hand, if she has a firm handshake, I said, did you grow up on a farm? Because it, it means something, and you have that connection. Is like, and, and then you have a you know a, a dialogue that starts from there. It's like, what do you mean? Did, did I grow up in an apartment? I said, well, you know, you have a really firm handshake, and that's really refreshing because most men I shake hands with have handshakes like dead fish, <laughs> and it's like, well, and that creates a conversation. And then you have your mm-hmm. elevator pitch, and you say, you know. Uh, you know, I'm I'm cl- more used to uh, introducing myself in words on a, you know on a type page rather than sitting and shaking hands with someone. It's really an honor to do that. So, okay, let's uh, let me ask you this: Some people 
uh, indicate that you need to be famous first, then you write a book. Some say, no, write a book, and that helps you to become famous. How do you f uh, feel a book would fit in with this guy starting the worm business? And he's an expert on worms. Uh, I would say uh, get a good book proposal before you write a book. That's the first thing you need to do. No one, no one sits down and writes a book before they have a book proposal because okay. you want to be able to shop it. Unless you're, you're wealthy and you want to self-publish it, but I think that's cheating anyway if you self-publish. It's just my own opinion on it But my, because my publisher found me. So if you're the worm guy and you, you have this idea of, of setting the, the, the worm business asunder, build and develop a, a good uh, – you know, of course, I said the business plan. But the second thing is a, a really tight book proposal. And shop it around to uh, to publishing houses that do things within your genre. I mean, you're not going to go to – Something like Ten Speed Press, which is concerned with cocktails and food, if you're talking about worm aquaculture. So you mm -hmm. want to be able to find the, the, the companies that, that resonate with the type of, of work that, that you envision yourself in. Book writing may not be the way of doing that. Book writing is not the is not an easy thing. My publisher only gave me a month to write each of those books. One month to write them. One month. Yes, one how month. Many, how many very, word book? Uh, I don't know, let's see, uh, 75 recipes, 160,000 words, I think it was, close to 200,000 words, 75 wow. pages. It's, uh, it's a big undertaking. And then, of course, Absolutely. it has to be edited, and editing takes time, and the photography takes time, and the, you know, the fine edits take time, and there's just a lot of, lot of parts. It takes about a year to produce a book, but a month to write the book. So when they give you the, they like your proposal, mm -hmm. they give you a month, you've had, to, you've written that book in a month, has it been edited nope, and already no, to no. go it, at that it's, point? It should be edit ready. It should be, it should be ready to go into, into, into that edit. And my, my editor lives in Ireland, so she's five hours ahead of me. So she's working on my book when I'm still asleep. And so during the, the month or so or two months that it takes for us to go and edit through the book, mm -hmm. you know, I, my sleep habits were much different because she was up working on it at 3 a.m., which means I was up working on it at 3 a.m. So she didn't have to wait for me. I never, I never made her wait for me. And this is not a cost to you because the publisher called you and wanted you to do the book. Yeah, so no, you... it is actually a cost because even though they pay you in advance, you still have to pay the advance back. So there is a cost. <laughs> okay. Definitely a cost. Well, well, is there an upfront cost? Let me put it that uh, way. No, there's no upfront cost other than your time. You have to okay. figure out what your time sweat is Sweat equity. Worth. Yeah, sweat equity. Um, okay. I think the IRS looks upon that a little differently. It's, you can, it is a, ta a tax deductible event. That you know, writing a book—it's part of your business. And you know, if I, I'm not a sole proprietorship or anything, but but still, the the research and the time and the ingredients and the methods are all tax deductible. Oh, good. Okay. So uh, yeah, I I believe you're right there. Okay. So uh, what other advice would you have? Again, we're talking uh, with folks here that are baby boomers. You know, they're 55, 65. Uh, some of them have just lost their job, and or maybe they're on some kind of minimal uh, uh, pension plan, and things aren't, you know, they're not making a lot of money, and they need to do something uh, uh, right now. Is there any more advice you could give them to? Yeah, you know, you know, I do. The the, the old story goes: uh, find what, out what you love, and you never work a day in your life. And I'm really fortunate that it only took me, you know. But, 
by the by my 48th birthday i was already doing what i loved it didn't pay me a whole lot in the beginning it still doesn't pay mm-hmm. me a whole lot now but i think that once you develop the the separation between getting paid and doing what you love then when you do get paid it feels so much better so that mm-hmm. so so find out what you love and 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 follow those dreams and be good to yourself and take care of yourself and breathe the air and and talk to people you know score is an interesting organization that i when i was first a, you know an entrepreneur back you know 30 years ago I went to these retired, uh, you know, business leaders, and and they gave mm-hmm. me wonderful advice, and it didn't cost a cent. And of course, no one knew anything about computers back then. It probably would have been a lot easier had I, you know, had that ability of of using a computer. We were still mm-hmm. at the typewriting age, but uh, you know, it's amazing how th- how things have changed. But I, I do believe that the score people are, are are there to help you. They're there to to help you write a business plan. They may not be there to help you write a book proposal, but there are certain people who have come out of the publishing industry who may be helpful in that regard. So go there and ask score. And score is the is a, a I guess it's really a government organization. I think it's, it's funded by the government and it's retired business leaders who mm-hmm. advise entrepreneurs on how to write business plans, how to start companies, how to become the people that they've always wanted to be. So you go there and say, "I'm looking for. I want to get into uh, a writing business. What uh, retired executives do you have that have that kind of background that could help?" Yeah, and, you know, here in the New York metro area, there are a lot of people who come out of advertising or they come out of book, you know, you know, publishing, because those are the industries that uh, that are very important in New York City as well as finance. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'd love to talk to you about finance. I'm sure there are a lot of people that can do that. But I actually went to them to open up coffee, a uh, micro-roaster. I wanted to uh, sell micro-roasted coffee, I remember. It was like uh, 1992 or something, just before mm-hmm. 1992. And they weren't very much help to me, but they helped me write a business plan, which actually did get me seed money, and I did uh, – you know, I did a lot of the basic grunt research that needed to be done to open up a uh, a coffee, you know, a coffee shop. But I ended up not doing it because I got a job as a bank teller, and you know, the the day to day dirge of having to pay a mortgage and support a wife mm-hmm. became more important until you know 2009 when I lost my job. And do you have some children? No yeah. children. No children. Okay. I, I never huh? never had them. I had, uh, had horses and I had cats. Okay. <laughs> that was enough. You had a few things to look at. That after, was enough, right? yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I was working in a, a town about 15 minutes away from here, and I had my horse, you know, out in the field, out in the pasture. And if there was a thunderstorm, I would have to go home and bring the horse in. It was just too mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. And, and just to go back to uh, score, so if you're – in a country area and you're going to do some kind of agricultural uh, business, then they're going to have a bunch of score people that have that background because they probably, probably. Yeah. And and I would, you know, when I contacted score, I asked people if they had any manufacturing backgrounds. So I was able to meet the people who are in the manufacturing industry and they, uh, they may not have known about coffee, but they definitely knew about business systems and how to get started. And, uh, and they were so helpful. I can't I can't stress it enough. And, you know, I also love the use of like community colleges and libraries and schools and there's, you know, adult education and, 
you know, we're unfortunate that I only live an hour from New York City, so there's there's definitely affluence here, and there's definitely programs that are, that are available for people who want to further themselves, no matter what mm-hmm. their age. I mean, they could mm-hmm. be right out of college, or they can be just retired. I mean, it doesn't matter. All you need is desire. That's all you need. Now, as far as background, then do you feel that's not really important? Like you, let's say, you know, I've always used worms. I've loved fishing and mm-hmm. I have a fascination for that, uh, but I'm not an expert in it. But now I'm retired and I really like that field. Uh, but I'm an expert as an accountant. Yeah, well, uh, do I going to start that business accounting consulting or am I going to go into worms? I would go into worms. And take that accounting background and make it something that's valid because you understand how to run a business. You know, you, you really you understand it's a huge how strength. it's a huge strength. I, I cannot tell you all the people that I know that go into the restaurant business that fail within a year because they don't know anything about business. Mm-hmm. They may have they may have a, the greatest idea for the kitchen widget of the of the year, but unless <laughs> they understand how to run, you know, a, a P and L statement, they're 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 going to be out of business in a year. Mm-hmm. And I, too, didn't know. But that's you learn by doing. So uh, loving and eating at good restaurants doesn't qualify. Yes, it does qualify. No, absolutely. Oh, it no, of course okay. it qualifies. It all it all it, it all has to do with enriching you and becoming a, a, a you know, a more concise person. And follow, as I say, you have to be able to follow your dreams and not, being a, not to be afraid of your own shadow. It's so important to be able to follow your dreams because it's authentic and it's irresistible and it becomes something so potent and so so important and so necessary that people can't they can't resist but want to know more about it. And how can they get involved? And, you know, that's how I I get out and do uh, do all my tasting dinners and and, uh, and you know mixology sessions, because my, on my business card says I make you hungry and thirsty. And that starts a conversation right there. Uh-huh. And, yeah. you know, I could say I know everything there is to know about worms. And the person would say, bull. <laughs> and then you say, <laughs> well, guess what? You know, it, it really is. I really do know more about worms than anyone else in the world. And let me help. Let me tell you what I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to be right. you have to be sure of yourself. You can't be a wimp to be an entrepreneur. You have to be positive in what you do. You have to smile when you speak. You have to be confident. Hold that confidence inside of yourself and let that out, and the world is your oyster. Love it. Love it. Um, let me uh, ask a couple of things as far as people wanting to get a hold of you. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, is there particular uh, websites or whatever, Warren, well, or email you'd like me to get to put on the show notes? You know, uh, I, I really love when people get in touch with me through Twitter. Because it helps okay. me engage and build my my business that way, and my Twitter is Warren Bobro with a number one after it. I also love Instagram, which is just my name, Warren Bobro with no numbers after it. Um, I love Facebook, of course, and I love LinkedIn. Um, let's see, what else do I love? You know, and and there's good good old email, which is which is always good, and they can always reach me at you know jockeyhollow at mac dot com. They can always get in touch with me. And I'm I'm very proactive, and I'm not reactive to my emails. And if I don't know someone, I'll ask them, "How did you find me? How did you discover me?" And that's a that's a great takeaway for people. Yes. Um, 
And also, it's a good idea to track it so you know what's working. <laughs> okay. So, There's a nice business side to it, right? Yeah, there, there, there should be. I, I really should get one of those uh, constant comment uh, you know, email addresses so I can load everything in and send out my cohesive picture and image of what I do. I just haven't had the time. Mm. But what you're doing is working. And so you just... I guess there's, there's, if we were to say there was three or four ingredients for these folks that are listening right now to start their business, that would be what? Passion, determination, authenticity. And authenticity. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. You have to be real, really believe in what you're doing is, is what it boils down to. I think, uh, I think we should all watch Shark Tank. That's what we should I do. Watch it all we the should time. all watch Shark Tank because they're not always nice, but they sure get their point across. But they they tell you the they truth. Tell you the and truth. That's what and, we need to and hear. That's, and that's what I tell. That's what I tell people. Also, I don't always tell them what they want to hear, but if they're interested in listening, I can help them understand that there's a great big world out there. Do you do any uh, private consulting, Warren? Or I absolutely like do, and I'm always open to it. As, do you have uh, some? You want to expand on it to make um, cost you, you know per hour? I, uh, I charge a uh, I charge a thousand dollar flat fee, and I usually bring the liquor. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think it's pretty reasonable. I'm well in line with the industry, and I'm not doing anything that that anyone isn't doing within within right. my business. And you know, okay. I, I think I think I'm really value added. Uh, do you do any uh, group sessions, any training maybe with a, a bunch of people right now? Yeah, anyone you know, I, I just did one recently up in Boston uh, for, a, uh, for a private bank up there. I did for their, uh, for their sales team. And it was oh, so that great. was a live? It was a live and direct, yeah. Okay, so you like going out and doing live uh, presentations also. Okay. Very much so. In fact, I, was in, I did one in uh, Southampton, Long Island last Saturday, last Saturday night for about 300 people. That was a lot of fun. Just me. Okay. It's really amazing. <laughs> <laughs> right. And and was it on Mixology uh, it was or on, was it on I, I created a cocktail for a nonprofit and uh and then executed it and watched people enjoy it and had great great interaction with them. Wow. So this uh, so part of the work you do is helping nonprofits to become profitable. Um what I do is I, tr- I I wouldn't necessarily say I help them be profitable. What I what I do is I help people realize that they can be individuals within a corporate stratum and nice. and you do that by uh by standing out with with what you do and it's not just you know pushing widgets and and making uh you know paper airplanes during the day you have to build to find the time to do what you love and uh then you know success will follow it, it always it has to it has to so what they call that was it entrepreneuring or something? I can't remember the word. But. Yeah, it's entrepreneurial. Yeah, it's from it's yeah. from the. Well, you know, I, I've always believed in in bottom up rather than top down. So when you empower people at the bottom of the ladder, you truly reveal who they are as individuals, and that's the strength. In my opinion, the strength of a company is not determined to this chairman of the board or the president of the company or the secretary to the president of the company. It's the people who are at the bottom levels are the ones that really do create the determination to be successful and to push companies forward. And they're in touch with the people. Oh, so they know what 
needs Absolutely. to be done. Yeah, I mean, when I was the a president has no idea. Probably. Yeah, when I was a bank teller, I mean, that's how we, we saw everyone. We touched everyone. We, you know, I was working for a British bank and the uh, at first and my, the, you know, the cable address was intimate, I-N-T-M-A-T-E, you know, because mm-hmm. money is the most intimate thing in the world, you know, even mm-hmm. more intimate than your doctor, per se. I looked at that very closely and said, you know, what, what is what is also intimate? Food. Food is intimate. Food is incredibly intimate. It's a sensuous, you know, event. It's something that you do. It brings people together. Wine brings people together. Liquor brings people together. It's a social thing. And if you're successful at that and you make people, you fill them up in their stomachs and you fill them up in their heads, they'll always remember you. Yes. Even if you do worms. (laughs) Even if you do worms. (laughs) Well, again, I I look at people uh, and when they're so excited about what they do on TV, I might not like their subject matter, Mm -hmm. but they're so entertaining to listen to. And you know they're doing their passion Mm -hmm. that it's just fun being with them, even though I'm not interested necessarily in, you know, sort of playing with snakes or whatever they're doing. Yeah, but at least they're doing something that's different. You know, they're not they're just punching a time clock every day. And, yeah. and I can't yeah. say that. I can't say enough about p- punching a time clock. I think it's one of the great things in the world is to punch a time clock. But it's also good to not punch a time clock. Mm-hmm. So, But you have to you have to punch it for, for a decade or two to figure out what it is that you really want to be. And, you know, there's a lot of great lessons in working for companies. Like when I, wor- I worked for MetLife for two years, and it's, you know, they call it cradle to grave. And that's what it is. And it's it's valid for them. And I, although I was just an executive assistant, I got to know so many people within that company. And I did an event uh, in New York City, at, actually at the, one of the MetLife buildings for the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. And mm-hmm. I created a signature cocktail and executed it. And it was so funny for me to be at MetLife because that was the last corporate job I ever did was with MetLife. And they, they helped me become who I am today. And let me ask you this. Uh, all those many executives that you work with over the years and then even now with producing their cocktails, how many, what percentage would you say are happy being where they are? Uh, one. one. Just one person. One. Just one person. <laughs> yeah, he's my mentor. It's really profound. He absolutely loves what he does, but everyone else just doesn't get it. <laughs> They're not capable of it, and that's fine. That's That works for them. It doesn't work for me, and it doesn't work for everyone, but it works for them. Would you be willing to share your mentor? Oh, absolutely. His name is Fred Young. He works for Mellon Bank in Boston, and he's like my brother. Wow. Okay. Yeah. He was the first person to tell me I didn't belong in a bank. <laughs> mm-hmm. Honest guy. It's nice. Yep. Rare. Yep. Nice. Yep. And we're very close. And, you know, he, he came to my second wedding, and his wife, Joy, is the editor of the Wild River Review, which is a wonderful uh, literary magazine out of the Princeton, New Jersey area. She was mm-hmm. the first person to give me my start as a writer, and I and she was the okay. toughest editor I've ever had. But that's what you needed. But that's what I needed, I because she yeah. could have just as easily said, Warren, you need to go back to banking. You're, you're never going to be a great writer. Or we can produce something shoddy. <laughs> she could have said it, that. Too. It's just always spot on. It has to be. And if it isn't, you know, you just apologize and go on. All right. Any final words uh, for my listeners? Um, You know, the biggest thing is if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. And if it feels right, follow that dream. All right. I think that's it. But most importantly, work on your elevator pitch. I always say to people, ride the elevator. Even if you don't have, even if it's not your building, ride the elevator. You never know Mm -hmm. you're going to (laughs) meet. So you're talking about literally. Yeah, literally. Absolutely. (laughs) Because what chances, I mean, you can, you can ride the elevator on Twitter. That's fun too. Mm-hmm. You know, introverts love Twitter. I was an introvert until Twitter came along. Then I became an extrovert. 
Mm-hmm. They brought you they out. brought me right? out of it. Mm-hmm. So Twitter can help a lot of my listeners who maybe have been hid in the back back of the company somewhere doing accounting or Absolutely. doing shipping or whatever Absolutely. they're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. This will bring them out. You bet it will. And when you have the picture, you know, even though it's a tiny little, you know, postage stamp icon, still put mm-hmm. something up there that resonates. If it's a worm, make it the most beautiful worm that anyone has ever seen. <laughs> Well, fantastic. It's been great talking to you, Warren, and I will be putting the show notes out there so people can get a hold of you. That's great. And I look forward to talking to you in the near future to see how things are going. That's great. And I really hope I helped at least one person. And if that one person wants to get in touch with me, please do. I would love to help you tell your story. I have a 25 million or so readers, maybe more, you know, with all the different places that I write for. And I would love to help. It's my pleasure. Well, you helped me, so you have your one person. There you go. We did good today. (laughs) Well, too. Well, thanks again, sir, and look forward to talking to you, Warren, in the future. My pleasure. Be well. Cheers. Bye for now. Cheers. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Income for Baby Boomers with your host, Ken Queen. Helping boomers like you get a business started you can run from your own home. We interview owners of both online and offline businesses, but most importantly, ones that are run by baby boomers. Stay tuned next week for new and exciting businesses that you can start from your home. Until next time, have a profitable and blessed week.